You're listening to the 29 Steps Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Eaton, and I'm joined today by a special guest, Aaron Levy, who is the co-founder and CEO of Box. Aaron, thank you for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, so I think it makes sense briefly to explain Box because most of the people who listen to this podcast aren't necessarily working for large corporations. And while they've probably heard of Box, I suspect that if they have, they think it's something kind of like Google Drive or OneDrive. And I don't think that's necessarily a totally fair comparison. So I think, so I don't want anybody to make any assumptions. So why don't you give us a quick explanation? No, thank you. I'm I'm actually uh, happy to always do shameless plugs. Um, uh, (laughs) It's like those products, but like so much better. So, uh, so we, we started our company back in 2005 and, um, and this was actually before G drive and OneDrive existed. And the idea was what if you could access your files from anywhere um, but then also be able to have workflows on, on your files, better security, better data governance, ways of protecting your information. And so today we help businesses of all sizes, everything from three and five and 10 person startups all the way up to companies the size of IBM. We help them manage their, their corporate data, their corporate information, and then secure it, um, store it to, uh, in the cloud, and then be able to, to just help you collaborate around that information in a very seamless way. So that's that's what we've been up to. We have about 100,000 customers globally, and you know we help organizations with their life sciences, clinical drug trial processes, or you know large banks be able to onboard customers and clients, um, or manufacturers be able to collaborate across their supply chain. Um, but that's that's what we've been up to. Awesome, and I, that's helpful. I I think that that was the piece I really wanted to give you a chance to share was that it's, it might be what people think, but it's, it's more, it does, it does more. So, and I think actually box is in an interesting position because obviously like the rest of the world, your team has had to figure out how to do this whole work from home thing. And at the same time, those of us who are working from home are counting on companies like box to make that possible. So I'm, I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about, about what it's been like to lead a company over the last, whatever, six or seven months that's now remote while at the same time trying to provide that same level of service to the people who are depending on you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, first of all, we, we feel very, very fortunate that we're a 100% digital company. Um, we're all, you know, we were born in the cloud. We were able to scale in the cloud. So when you look at our technology that we use, we use products like Zoom and Slack and and you know Google and uh, NetSuite and Salesforce. So we're an all cloud company. So it was relatively easy for us to move to the cloud very rapidly. And then I think our culture is one of, uh, of agility, of collaboration, of making sure that we move quickly, we make decisions quickly, we're able to pivot um, you know, relatively, uh, relatively efficiently. So I think between our culture and our technology stack, we were able to adapt to this environment in a, a fairly rapid fashion. And then really right on day one, starting in, um, in the beginning of March, when we moved to a remote work environment, our focus became entirely on our customers. So how do we make sure that we're supporting our customers? How do we take a customer first approach to this environment? And you know, in some cases that was about changing our business model to support customers in highly impacted industries. In other areas, it was about rapidly changing the feature set that we were building so we could better support our customers that needed to work remotely. So we had to kind of change our product roadmap and our strategy for the year. But, uh, but ultimately, it was about making sure that we could respond to the event, um, make sure that our employees were safe and protected and healthy, and then really adapt to this new work environment. And, and you just mentioned something I think that's important and might be easy to overlook for some companies, when you talk about having your employees be healthy, obviously everybody has a lot going on. 
which means everybody has a unique set of challenges. Are there things that you've seen or things that Box has done? Well, and yourself personally to stay productive, to stay healthy, and maybe more importantly, to empower your team to do just like that. Because honestly, for some people, remote work is really hard. It, it just is. Yeah, I mean, we we uh, we definitely have a wide spectrum of people and their experiences with with remote work, and and as you know, I think has been brought up multiple times uh, throughout this experience. I mean, this is not even really remote work. This is this is a pandemic where we're working remotely, and and it doesn't have the characteristics of remote work where schools are open, and so your you know your kids um, you know should be at, you know can be at school, and and you don't have to be both uh, you know playing teacher and parent. Um, while also you can't go outside, um, uh, you know, if you're in places like California, because now you also have, you know, other factors like the, the fires that we're experiencing. So there's been a lot of different uh, issues that have all come at the same time that are causing this to be a very, very stressful um, and disruptive environment for most, most people in the workplace. So I think as an employer, what, what we try and do is, is, first of all, acknowledge the fact that it's a very difficult and, and you know, fairly um, uh, disruptive time period and that we have to create the greatest degree of flexibility for, for our workforce and for our employees. So if that means flexible work hours, that, uh, it, it often means adding um, uh, days off uh, once a month where people are going to be able to have a three-day weekend where we do that across the whole company. Um, it might be introducing additional benefits. So we've had uh, multiple stipends that we launched for people that wanted to be able to improve their at-home at um, work setup. So there's been a, a whole bunch of initiatives that we've tried to go and execute on to just do our part to make the situation a little bit more um, survivable and, and something that employees can, um, can make, make the best of, you know, in a, again, pretty, um, pretty complicated situation. That's good. And I, you talked for a second a minute ago about your tech stack, which obviously as a tech company, that's good to hear that you guys have a solid tech stack. But obviously that that may not be true for every company, especially if you're just getting started. We'll get to that in a second. But how, what are some of the ways that having that in place, you mentioned Slack, for example, has allowed you to continue because you talked about having built a culture and that kind of thing. And, and and it's very different when you're not rubbing shoulders with people in an office. It's very different when you can't necessarily travel to go and meet with customers or with other team members. How has the technology helped you and your team to, to do that, to continue that culture, to con continue that productivity? Yeah, I think so. So again, our, our culture has one been one of, of collaboration and, and agility and making decisions quickly um, with a, through a very, very customer first lens. And, and, um, and what's interesting is that that culture has sort of evolved over time, over 15 years, but it has also been fairly influenced by our, our actual physical work, uh, workplace environment. And so when you think about it, when you go into work and you, you think about, okay, I'm going to work with my team on a project, what, what ends up happening is you involve the people that are sort of maybe most physically kind of proximate to you um, as, uh, as you're working on whatever that initiative is. It might be the number of people that can fit into a conference room. So, okay, I'll, I'll bring five or, or seven people into this meeting, but that doesn't necessarily represent all the possible ideas that, that, that could actually be brought to the table for that, that strategy or whatever that thing is that you're working on. And so what we found was when we went remote, we, we found actually that like our meetings, our teams, our projects often got reconfigured because of the, the virtual work dynamic or the virtual work environment. And so instead of, 
a new um, uh, innovation initiative that we would be doing that maybe normally would only have five or eight people working on it. That became a Slack channel that 100 people participated in. And then you got ideas from across the whole organization, the whole company, that people could participate and, and actually bring whatever their perspective was to that particular problem or, or, uh, or, or idea. So, so it, was, it was pretty exciting because all of a sudden, um, we started getting just an influx of, of, of ideas and, um, and feedback and perspective from places that maybe we wouldn't normally have gotten it. And it actually has created, a, I think, a culture that is even more inclusive because we've been able to be remote and we've been able to have more people participate in, um, uh, you know, in these in these projects. So, so I'd say the way that we work is actually now being influenced by the technology that we're using and the fact that we're remote and the fact that we're distributed. And so, what will be interesting is when we go back to the office, how much of that will carry forward, and how much of this can we continue to to um, uh, to work in this new way, even when we're back at the office. And that's that's going to be a, a really big open question, but I actually think it's going to be you know, important to our, our future. You know, I had a conversation with someone recently and they were, I asked them like, this is a pretty challenging time to be launching a product or to be doing whatever. And they said, actually it is, but it forced us to do some things we probably should have done anyway. And you mentioned like changing the dynamic of meetings and the way that you involve people and now having more people involved in the process that maybe wouldn't have been obvious before, but maybe almost by necessity now are those things that you intentionally, you know, that you have a plan to be intentional about including in the future? Yeah, I think, I think what we have to do in the future is basically um, make, make sure that we have a, uh, a hybrid work environment where people come into the office, they do meetings with, with you know, probably people in person, they get the benefit of, of working in, in, in some of those kind of quote-unquote traditional ways, you know, where, where you're able to work with others. But then also you're going to have a, a workforce that maybe is more distributed that maybe has more flexibility in the hours in which they come into the office or the days they come into the office. And it's gonna be bridged by digital technology. It's gonna be bridged by this virtual office or this virtual workplace. So I think we're, you know, if you imagine there's a spectrum of the way we used to work, which was almost entirely in person and a way that we work today, which is almost entirely virtual, I think we're gonna end up somewhere in between that, that spectrum in the future where, um, you know, within one company, you might have different patterns of work within the exact same employee population. And I think that's gonna make sure, that that's gonna enable companies to attract more talent, create more flexibility for their employees. Um, and then ultimately, I think, uh, you know, run in a, a more productive way. So, and obviously, Box is a pretty good sized company with a lot of really big customers all over the world. And on the other hand, there's a lot of people right now who simply don't have that infrastructure. They don't have the systems in place. They don't have someone like you who, is able to kind of help push an organization forward. It's it's them and they're wearing all of those hats. Are there things that you've learned, not just over the last seven months, but over the last 15 years that, that you can think of that would be able to help small businesses take care of both their customers and their people? Yeah, well, I think, I, you know, I think what this event has, has certainly um, both proven and I think been a, uh, certainly underscored is the fact that uh, if you're, you know, any business, uh, whether you're a large enterprise or a small business that, that's, you know, still still emerging or growing rapidly, um, the, the importance of having a customer first approach, of having a digital first approach, of making sure you've got a very tight connection to your customers is unbelievably uh, critical during this time. And I think that, that what we're going to see uh, through this environment is companies are going to 
really reflect on what, what do they need to do to make sure that they create better digital experiences for their customers, better ways of, of, of uh, you know, actually serving their customers. And that will actually feed back into their workplaces as well. It means that cultures will need to be more agile. It means that, that you're going to have to be able to move faster as a company to respond to your customers' needs. So I think we're going to see both the way that we serve our customers, you know, continue to change and evolve, and then the way that you run your business continue to, to uh, enable that agility and enable that customer first approach, which ultimately does mean more flexibility, more digital experiences for employees, better ways of collaborating, um, and then ultimately this new way of working. So I think for a lot of people who are trying to balance work and everything else that happens now in the same places work, right? At home where we do everything. So one of the biggest challenges is you're trying to cope with life and all the things that happen. You're trying to cope with what's going on in the world, what's going on in your family. And at the same time, you're trying to figure out how to be productive. And it sort of feels like maybe this is a conversation that we should have had a long time ago about what does productive actually mean, right? What does it mean to be productive? And I know that's important to you. So tell me a little bit about what it's like to redefine that and, and, not just for right now as we deal with a pandemic, but long-term. Yeah, so I think, I think um, definitely I, all companies have had to change their understanding of productivity during this environment. I think the, you know, maybe the very um, uh, the, the, the rudimentary and kind of classic way of thinking about it, especially in an in a, you know, analog world was like, okay, how many hours is somebody working? Like how many, how many emails have, you know, have, have your sales reps uh, typed? Um, how many phone calls have they been on? That's that's a, um, uh, you know, while maybe in some cases and in some uh, industries, that's an important measure of productivity. Obviously, if you're in a, uh, if you're doing support calls, you, you want to know how many customers are able to serve and how efficiently can you serve that. So, so there are some important characteristics of that, that measurement of productivity. But ultimately, I think more and more, as you think about more creative industries, um, you know, businesses that are digital businesses, um, you know, in, in, uh, industries that are very innovation centric, productivity really isn't measured by how many hours you come into the office or how many meetings you took or how many emails you sent or phone calls you were on. Productivity is really ultimately like, what's the output? Um, what's the outcome that you were able to deliver? And, um, and there's, uh, 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 you know, probably one of the greatest, um, uh, I think, e exemplars of, of this whole uh, way of working is Netflix, where uh, Reed Hastings, the CEO, has sort of always had a kind of quote unquote no rules attitude to um, to when people are in the office or taking vacation time or or the the sort of way that you work and and the reason for that is because um, what they care most about is are people are they building amazing products that people want to subscribe to with incredible content and that's all that matters if you can do that in five hours in a day that that's fine if you can do that in ten hours in a day that's fine. But the ultimate measure of productivity is, are they building amazing products that people want to go and use and sign up for? So what I think we're going to have to do is, is continue to evolve our definition of productivity, which is that it's not about the number of hours that one individual works and as measured by some you know, particular um, you know, set of tasks that they're doing. It's about ultimately the outcome that they're delivering and the, and the ultimate output of, um, of whatever the work is that they're, that they're, that they're uh, working on. And I think companies are going to be continuing to be more thoughtful about how they measure that and what expectations they set for employees um, for what those, uh, how you're going to measure the, the impact of, um, of your organization or of your teams. And I, I agree. And obviously it's sort of a, a challenge for people who are trying to figure out 
how, how do we keep doing the same thing that we were, you know, how do we keep getting the same output we were getting, but measuring it differently? And it sounds like what you're saying is that those two things go together, that maybe you won't be getting the exact same thing, but the goal is still the same, right? If the goal is to create great products, deliver to your customers, then keep that the same, but build the systems kind of around that, no matter what they look like. Yeah, well, I think um, <coughs> I, I, I think most business owners and, and um, uh, entrepreneurs have plenty of examples where they'll have one team that that can do you know the same amount of work in ten in, in, in a tenth of the time as another team and and it's not because one team is sort of working so much harder or they're working longer hours it's 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 uh, the idea the breakthrough ideas that they come up with are much more efficient they think about automation they think about um, you know what's the right experience for the customer and that makes it much more um, successful as a as a project, um, and so so I think very little in in the world of kind of quote unquote knowledge work or creative work correlates to the number of hours that you put in, um, and much more relates to like are, are you thinking strategically about that idea? Do you have the right creative approach to solving that problem? Um, I, you know I know of many areas where you actually have an inverse correlation where the more hours that are going into a project actually the less productive. Um, it is because you're actually thinking of something that is going to be much more bandwidth intensive or human intensive as opposed to thinking backwards from, okay, what's, what can we do to simplify this whole thing? So, so oftentimes in a lot of parts of business, actually, the number of hours that, that go into something are, are the exact opposite of what you actually want to go and achieve or measure the productivity based on. And yet so much of the way that we think about productivity is based on, well, okay, how many hours did that take or or you know how how long do people work and those that's not really correlated with um with impact in, in a lot of areas of, of business it, it feels almost like the idea of the ted talk right 18 minutes or whatever it's harder to say something in 18 minutes than in three hours but it's not better just because you talk for three hours right it's it get the point out do the thing and then let's and so I think you can, it's not a direct comparison to productivity. You mentioned though, that especially creative work, there's a correlation with the time. I think a lot of people would also argue there's a correlation in proximity working in the office versus working virtually. You, and you briefly touched on this, but what do you think it's going to take for companies to figure that out? We'll set aside the health part of it, but just the productivity side. Go ahead. Well, let me, let me actually just, let me, um, you might have to uh, bring me back to that last question, but let me, let me just throw out an example. So let's say you were a, a business of five people and, um, and it's, a, it's an accounting firm or something. Um, and you had, you had everybody was working 10 hours a day um, at, at this accounting firm and, um, because you had so much demand and that was great. But let's say there was software that, that you had that could eliminate two hours of that work per day and the software was relatively inexpensive, so it wouldn't sort of dramatically change the cost structure of your business. It was, it was fairly affordable. And now all of a sudden your employees are working eight hours a day because software has now made it more efficient or automated, um, you know, part of, part of the work that you used to have to do. Maybe it was scheduling, maybe it was, you know, certain, um, uh, you know, accounting, um, uh, uh, you know, processes. Do when that when those two hours are removed from the amount of people that the amount of time that you work is your company two hours less productive? Are you twenty percent less productive? Um, of course not, right? Just because your people are working eight hours instead of ten hours, you're actually more productive um, on, on a relative basis. But but like but again, the if you measured your company on how many hours are people working per day, 
you would never want to go and implement software that would make you more efficient because because that would that would be kind of going against the what you think you're you're measuring your productivity at. So that, that you know we have to get in this mindset of what's the ultimate outcome that we're trying to get to. Well, if you're an accounting firm, the ultimate outcome you're trying to get to is how how do how do I serve my customers? And if you could have employees that work three hours a day and you could serve the same number of customers, you should probably figure out every possible way to go do that. And then. And then maybe you'll be able to get more customers on board because you'll have some you know, additional time that is now freed up. And so I think when we think about productivity, we just have to change our definition of what does it mean to be productive? How do we, um, you know, how do we uh, deliver the, the successful outcomes we can for customers without thinking about it as, again, amount of hours or amount of emails, amount of phone calls. Those are all really, really bad ways to measure um, productivity of an organization. Yeah, and it's almost like if you have a car that takes less gas to go the same distance you don't all of a sudden fault the car because it used less gasoline right you're actually excited about that and i think the other trade-off for that is if your employees are able to get the same amount of work done but they don't have to be at the office for 10 hours they're going to be happier which means that they're going to do better during the i mean there's a whole lot of benefits well no i mean that that's a really key point so so now imagine that that you know you can get that same amount of, of output to eight hours a day or seven hours a day, but and you gave those employees two or three hours back to spend with their family, like that is that is going to work in in your favor as opposed to again it means that people are working less. They're going to be happier in their job. They're going to be more excited to contribute. You're going to have you're going to be differentiated from other employers um, because because when somebody works at your accounting firm, it's going to be more efficient to work there, and you're not going to be doing as much kind of you know. Um, uh, you know, basically basic tasks. Um, and so, so I think, I think as you start to think about productivity, we should think about, okay, what could I do to get rid of all of the unnecessary work that it takes for somebody to do their job? And how do I make sure that when people are doing work, they're working on the things that people uniquely have to work on, as opposed to all of the other complex stuff that computers are better at, that, that we can automate, that, we, that is not going to be particularly value added for our customers. And we have to get rid of all of that we have to put all of our time and energy into things that are going to be most impactful and most important to our customers. Yeah, I love that. So as we wrap up, my last question for you is imagine that you, instead of 15 years ago, you started Box in January. And, and the Aaron who started Box 15 years ago is telling the Aaron who started in January, you have all the benefits of all the hindsight. What would you tell that version of yourself that he should be doing right now because it's a much smaller company going through the same set of circumstances. And the reason I ask that is I think that there are a lot of people who are thinking it's too late. <laughs> I'm already hosed. I've already had to live through a pandemic. My business is, is really struggling or I'm personally really struggling. What, what advice would you give that person? Yeah. So listen, I think it's, um, it's always hard to, to have, you know, super generic advice because everybody's experience is, is, is different. I mean, we, we operated through the recession in 08. Um, we were a, a 30, maybe 35 person business at that time. You know, it was, it was soul, uh, soul crushing. We had to do a layoff um, uh, right at the right, right in the kind of middle period of the recession. Cause we didn't know, you know, if we'd be able to execute through, um, you know, through that situation. The biggest lesson that I learned was by, by continuing to focus on customers, by continuing to focus on our culture, that's what got us through that event and that moment. Um, and I think, so I think, you know, in, in times like this, you, you sort of have to go back to just the, the, almost the most fundamental 
kind of core or first principles of your business as possible, which is like, like, why do you exist as a company? Why do you, your customers want what you have? Do you need to pivot that? Do you need to do, do you need to adapt to this environment? Why do your employees want to work in your organization? How do you protect them as, as much as possible? Um, you know, we, we had to, we had to do drastic measures in 08, um, you know, uh, changing salaries and, and not paying ourselves and the, all that kind of stuff um, just to make sure that we could get through that situation. And I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs right now that are, are in that same you know, situation in survival mode. Um, but if you are you know, committed to your idea, if you have high conviction around what you're working on and, and you're you know, incredibly passionate about that and you're on, on path for a long-term mission, I think you can um, there's a lot of opportunity to kind of work through this situation and, and, um, and, you know, hopefully be in a position where coming in a year from now, as we're coming out of this or whenever the right time frame is, you're able to be more resilient than ever. But, but um, I do think this is an environment that, that um, it behooves entrepreneurs to be decisive, to, you know, care about their employees, care about their customers, care about their communities, um, but, uh, but do whatever they can to, to kind of work through this. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. It is very difficult to give generic advice. But what you just said, I think applies to everybody. Focus on your customers, focus on your people. And you even talked about focusing on your communities. And I think regardless of what type of business you are, yeah, focus on the people. So Aaron, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you spending this uh, time with me and answering some questions. Uh, any any closing thoughts? No, I mean, I, I think, um, what, you know, my, uh, uh, I've certainly loved the entrepreneurial journey. Um, it's uh, it's my it's certainly my my personal favorite uh, favorite thing in the world. This is these are incredibly um, uh, you know I, I think uh, unprecedented times and and so I'm I'm definitely thinking about all the entrepreneurs out there that are trying to figure out how to adapt their business model and and you know what the what what they need to do to serve their customers successfully and their employees. So. So I think is again kind of back to that last point of you know staying focused on your mission, taking care of employees, taking care of customers. Um, that's uh, you know the companies that are able to do that will be remembered during this time period. Great, thank you so much, Aaron. Thanks, Jason.